BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Last night, Orinda City Council met for the first time since last week's deadly Halloween party shooting at an Airbnb, which left five people dead. The mayor read the names of the victims, then held a moment of silence. And so as a community, we ask that you join us in an observance of a moment of silence for the victims of last week's violence. Then the conversation sort of moved on. One person remains in a coma and the investigation continues into the deadly shooting. But much of the conversation about what happened isn't as focused on the victims as you might think. Today, how race and class impacts how we cover mass shootings. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. On the morning of Friday the 1st, I um, was just doing my general news gathering before going into work, seeing what had happened overnight. And that's when I saw that um, four people were dead after a Halloween shooting in Orinda. Abine Clayton is a reporter for The Guardian's Guns and Lies Project. At the same time, I was seeing a lot of um, people that I know from the East Bay community, from Richmond and El Cerrito High School alums, sending out a lot of RIP messages. And I didn't put two and two together until a friend of mine texted me and told me that one of our um, old classmates, Omar Taylor, was one of the people who was shot and killed at the party. So um, I started just combing through my Facebook and trying to get as much information as possible, see who was affected and started seeing the, you know, the RIP messages just coming in more as more news came, more RIP messages. And then as I was um, scrolling through my Facebook page, I saw that Tierra posted, like, I'm just, you know, happy and grateful to be alive. And I paused and was like, wait, was she there? Tiara is a high school classmate of mine. We went to El Cerrito High School together um, in like 2011 or so, our freshman, sophomore, junior year, just kind of um, were in some of the same classes and would see each other and just kind of stayed connected through 
Facebook, social media, and that kind of thing. I decided to reach out to her on Facebook. I just sent her a message and said, hey, girl, like, first of all, I'm happy that you're okay. And um, second, I'm working on a story about this shooting for The Guardian. Will you talk to me about what you saw? I found out about the party actually through Omar Taylor telling me, like, hey, I'm DJing tonight. Mm. love. It'd be good to see you. I'm trying to turn up. Have fun. It should be all good. grew up in Richmond, and um, in talking to her, um, she mentioned that her brother was murdered in 2010, and after that happened, she became, um, as she describes, like numb to gun violence. It was just a part of her reality. It didn't sound like it was something that the, that was like an abnormal um, thing that came out of the blue. This has been pretty much a reality for me my whole life, just where I'm coming from, with my family. Even going into the party in Arenda, she was like, okay, there are a lot of people who are here from different places. She knew that things had the potential to be shot up, just like regardless. It's just a reality she carried with her. We ended up just going over to the house. We parked like down the hill. Mm-hmm. Now, first, we, uh, we was, like, a little skeptical, like, you know, we don't know how this might turn out. So before you even get out the car, you know, we just freshening up. And I was like, ladies, can we just say a quick prayer real quick? This happened on Halloween. She's going to this party. What do we know about the party that she was going to? Based on, like, official reports, it was a advertised as an Airbnb mansion party. There's a flyer with, I think, maybe, like, five or six guys on it advertising it, like, bring your own weed, bottles, et cetera. It's just going to be a fun time at a fancy Arenda Airbnb party, and it was spread across social media. Mm-hmm. So she was there around 9.45, 9.50 because she knew the DJ. She knew Omar. Tierra went with her best friend and cousin, but she didn't know many other people there. And they were a little uneasy about it. So they found a back room to hang out in. So she was in the room with her um, cousin and best friend. Um, and they were just kind of scoping out the party, it sounds like. Talking about like there are people here from like, San Francisco and around all these random places. Um, and she told me that she... Um, they met two young girls. She describes them as minors. I don't know, you know how old they are or who they were. So that's when Tierra kind of gave them the rundown that I think a lot of, especially like, you know, young black and brown people get from various people in their life, which is, you know, keep your head on a swivel. If you see an argument, if you see um, anything that looks out of the ordinary spot, Tierra told them to like spot her and her group and to run. If anything happens, just run. Don't think because things aren't sweet out here. I'm like, if anything happens and y'all see us run, just run with us. It don't matter. We stand together. She said maybe 30 minutes after that conversation is when they started shooting. She ran into what she describes as like a washroom, small kind of uh, maybe like linen closet type situation where they hid um, for a while and just listened she recalls hearing people yelling like he's dead, she's shot, he's not breathing, just, you know, horrible and confusing things. And I'm on the phone with the police this whole time. 
a young woman ran down to the door because she had been injured and was crying and screaming and Tierra recalls telling her that um, you know the more you scream the more you're gonna bleed and it's just like it just shows how unfortunately like how much she knows about this topic and how it's one of those things that you don't want to be an expert on. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I'm Jimmy Lee, the public information officer for the Contra Costa County Office of the Sheriff. Thank you for the first press conference happened Friday afternoon, the day after the shooting. We will update you on the homicide investigation into yesterday's shooting. They said the shooter is not, we have no reason to believe that the shooter is from here, so y'all are safe, pretty much. We, we don't have any reason to believe that they stayed in the area. We don't have any reason to believe that they were from Orinda. They, the, the house was rented by people who were not from Orinda. That sounded like the official stance, like, calm everybody, they ain't from here. And, I mean, as it turns out, none of the victims were. You know, none of the folks who were killed were from Orinda. Arinda is a very small, very safe, very family-oriented community. It is not accustomed to violence, and it is certainly not accustomed to uh, violence. Can you kind of contextualize for me this place where this happened, this city, Arinda? Yeah, well, Arinda is um, pretty close to Oakland, not far at all. It's still kind of a suburb outside of it. There was a KTVU article that in contextualizing Arenda, you know, was like, oh, it's this place where the median income is this. And Steph Curry lived here before moving to the peninsula. So um, it definitely has a reputation for being upper middle class, which usually means um, kind of white. And even growing up in the Bay, I just knew Arenda was for fancy people. I guess what role do you think that detail has played in how the media has covered the story? There's been kind of like a separation. I see and like feel from like okay this was an instance that just so happened to happen in Arenda like it's no reflection necessarily on us like this would never have happened here had this party not had these people not had Aaron B&B not like this is just not an Arenda thing Mm -hmm. to happen which I mean based on their history it doesn't really sound like it is Um, however when it comes to covering this issue, it's been, um, it's just looked way different than other, you know, when you think mass shootings, there's a certain, like, expectation in coverage that comes with it, that the focus is going to be on maybe, like, three things, like, who was killed, who was injured, getting those stories, um, what type of gun, where did it come from, and then, like, suspects. I mean, the fact that it is, like, a quote-unquote quiet town, sure, deserves a line, but um, to see it, to see that much kind of time spent on it, at least in the initial reports, I feel like local news has really um, gotten it together in a lot of ways and like are doing a lot of work to reach out to families and showing up to vigils, which has been really wonderful to see. But the fact that it happened in Orenda is starting to kind of overshadow or be more maybe newsworthy than the fact that like five young people are, you know, are dead and there's and their families are grieving and they don't really have I mean, I don't know if the police are sharing information with families that they're not sharing with us. But the fact that it doesn't really sound like they have a lot of information in my mind is more newsworthy. I mean, I'm I'm thinking a little bit about how like 
mass shootings are some of the most intense stories to watch unfold in the news, um, one of the most intense things to cover. And I remember conversations in our newsroom about like when something should be considered a mass shooting. What is yeah. the threshold? Yeah. Um, and by many accounts, this is a mass shooting, like even by the standard issued by Congress, which is three or more people, that's a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. wasn't covered that way. Las Vegas police say a heavily armed gunman fired down on thousands of people attending an open-air concert. From Dayton, Ohio, a second mass shooting in the United States in less than 24 hours. This deadly mass shooting happened in Parkland, Florida, about 20 miles north. Why do you think that is? Um, well, I think there are a few things going on. I mean, the most glaringly obvious is race and class. Like, I would be obtuse to say, like, it's journalistic standards in this, which is a part of it. But I'm it's important that to note that when it comes to mass shootings, I think the last time that there was a mass shooting that was covered just hugely and was all over the place and all the victims were black was the shooting, I believe, in Charleston with the man who ran up in that church. There isn't a lot of agreement over what makes something a mass shooting. And Aubinay says that's a problem because it leaves news organizations in this weird position of defining that for themselves. As part of her reporting, she talked with experts who said media has a tendency to cover something as a mass shooting if they think it's something their readers or viewers can relate to. Sometimes news folks tend to prioritize shootings that happen in places where they assume their readers or viewers can identify in being. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, this happened in a mall. Well, I go to the mall. Oh, this happened in a Walmart. Well, I go to the Walmart. Um, and then when you have Arenda, it's like, oh, I would have never been at that party. I've talked to Several people, um, and a lot of them think that in news media, we're falling into this trap of like having a hierarchy of location when it comes to mass shootings. The hierarchy of location, um, I kind of think of it as an implicit like prioritization of where a shooting happens and how that location makes it more or maybe less newsworthy. There are shootings where multiple people are shot inside homes. You know what I'm saying? It could be like a domestic violence situation and four people are dead. That ain't covered like a mass shooting. There are situations in cities across the nation. I mean, most notably what I've been hearing most about is cities on like the East Coast, like Philadelphia and St. Louis, where in one night five people died, you know, randomly people just getting shot on the street. That ain't covered like a mass shooting. So I think that this specific example in Arenda is just a real case study in when race and class plus this hierarchy of location mix, this this is kind of what you get. You get um, most headlines being about Airbnb policy rather than um, mobilizing to reach out to families and tell stories about the people who are affected, the people who survived. It is troubling, and I think that 
the like implicit bias and like insidiousness of white supremacy is at play here. Um, but I wouldn't say that's the entire reason why we see this coverage being different, but it is the most glaringly obvious one. Mm. Um, and the fact that that is impacting coverage just like implicitly kind of says like these lives matter a little less. It seems like maybe even implicitly, it isn't just the number of people who died that's factoring into how this shooting is covered, but who died, what they were doing, and how they were at this unsanctioned party, which is interesting when we consider what kinds of shootings kind of become our collective national tragedy. Yeah, and I think that that points a lot to the need within like our industry as journalists to have some best practices and have some standards that we can abide by because you open yourself up to people's like subjective thoughts. If it ain't the body count, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, well, we have the body count is just as high as these other places. Um, It was a place where people were supposed to be having fun. A large group of people gathered. If it ain't that, then what is it? Abene Clayton is a reporter for The Guardian's Guns and Lies Project. You can find her on Twitter at Abene underscore rights. And you can find us at The Bay KQED. I want to take some time to recognize the victims of the shooting, who were all people of color. 19-year-old Oceana Tompkins was from Vallejo and Hercules. She was going to cosmetology school and dreamed of owning her own salon. 22-year-old Tyon Farley was from Antioch. His aunt describes him as a handsome, mild-mannered, quiet-spoken kid. 24-year-old Omar Taylor Jr. was from Pittsburgh. He was a full-time DJ. He leaves behind a three-year-old daughter. 23-year-old Raymond Hill Jr. was from San Francisco in Oakland. His mom told the Chronicle that all her kids loved music and entertaining at parties. He was the third child of hers to die from gun violence. 29-year-old Javelin County was from Sausalito and Richmond. He leaves behind three kids and was seen trick-or-treating with them earlier in the day. The Bay was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena and Devin Karayama. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Friday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 